So before every Sunday, um, we have a word that gets us into the scripture. And so, uh, David, do you have that ready? All right, let's all say this together. The applied word of God will change my life instantly. I actively embrace and embody its teachings. Pleasing God is my purpose, and I walk in faith, not sight. I claim promises, pursue passionately, and prosper as my soul prospers. My faith is proof in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. The reason why we do this is because we want to set the atmosphere of God moving in this place. Now, once again, I've said this multiple, multiple times. We cannot control the Spirit of God, but we can have the invitation for him to be here. And let me just tell you, worship is amazing, and the Spirit of God falls almost every single week that we have worship here. But there is something about being filled by the Word as well that is just as spiritual as worship as well. So have the same the mindset. When you come in with worship, we're going to have the same mindset for sermon. When pastor comes up here, I come up here, you don't check out, you open up your notebook. You start writing down notes. You start figuring out what the word of God is speaking to you this week. And that saying that we pray beforehand allows us to get there. If you want to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I am using NIV. You can use everything. The Hawaiian Bible is fun. If you haven't heard of the Hawaiian Bible, it's pretty great. I don't understand a lick of it, but it's fun to read through sometimes. So Luke chapter 5, we're in verse 17. And it will be on the screen as well for you. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. Verse 19. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Whew. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Whew! There's more to read, but the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. To forgive what you've done. To forget what we have done. I'm, I'm not perfect for all have fallen short of the glory of God. But the Son of Man has the authority to forgive Whew, that's a promise right there. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and they were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Lord, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for your scriptures that speak life. Lord, I just pray today that this word would infect people's hearts to a place of praise and we can glorify you as we leave here today, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would just give me the wisdom to speak your words and allow your spirit to fall. Lord, the invitation is here. And so, Lord, I just pray that the spirit will continue to be here, Lord. Lord, in all things we do, we do it for you. In your name we pray. Amen. When I was first hired on, this is the first sermon that I preached in youth. And let me tell you, this is one of my favorite passages. Because honestly, you can have 15 different sermons from this passage. It is absolutely amazing. So many different things are from this. But I preached it, and I preached on the power of friendship. I preached on the people that you have around you in the matter of that. And yes, I will talk about that a little bit today. But it's not going to be the main point. So, when we're talking about this verse... There's so many different pastors that have preached on it. There's so many different sermons that you can listen online. I wouldn't have said that I have been affected by some of them, but at the same time, today is brought from God. I was, when I first, the scripture came upon me, I was like, yeah, I'll just do what I did in youth and talk about the people around us and, and build on that. And immediately I hit a loud, no, <laughs> you're going to preach what I have for you to preach. And then I was sitting in the office, I was like, kind of leaned back to my chair, kind of like sulked a little bit, and I was like, okay, sorry God, my fault. I put myself before him. And I was, I was met with a smack to the face, honestly. So, the title of my message today is Whatever It Takes. Whatever It Takes. Now, I'm realizing, as I said, that the last message that I have was in the ring, and now it says whatever that takes. I promise you I'm not making a new Rocky movie. Um, it's just something that came to me and, and the thought of it. But like I said, I promise you I'm not making another Rocky movie. But it's just kind of how the messages have gone. Although the new ones, they're not bad. <laughs> have you ever done something so much and just kept doing something over and over and over again, and then somebody came by and was like, Hey, you're doing it wrong. How many of you know what an ollie is when you're skateboarding? Okay, there's like three or four hands. Cool. So an ollie is when, it's the basic skateboarding trick, is when you pop the board up and the board, that's how like people get in the air when they're skateboarding. So as a kid, I was 10 year old, so I was like, I could do that. I have a skateboard, totally can do that. And so for hours and hours and hours, I would just jump and hope the skateboard would levitate with me. Kind of like Marty McFly when he throws on the straps and then it levitates. I always thought that. I was like, oh, it's just, it's so easy that all I have to do with, is jump with the board and the board will follow my feet. Thank you for laughing at that because that, that, that was a dumb thing to think even as a kid. That no matter how hard I try, I would just go and then it wouldn't jump. The board wouldn't come up with me. And I tried this for hours and hours and hours and hours. We had a um, semi-finished basement with uh, concrete floors. And in the concrete floors, like smacking a skateboard against it, it's going to make noise. And so my dad came down and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to pop an ollie. And thankfully, my dad is, you know, a dad that lets me have my own failures and thoughts, instead of being like, you're not doing it right, it's not going to levitate, 
he goes, okay, have fun, and just walks back upstairs. I went on this for days of magically thinking that, like, the board is going to appear onto my feet and just lock up. For days I tried this. And then eventually my brother was like, not so nice. You're an idiot. Go look up how to do it. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I did what any 10-year-old would do, and I loaded up Tony Hawk, and I watched how to do it in the Tony Hawk video game on the N64. And then I went back, and I tried the same thing over and over and over again. The same magically levitating the board, because in the video game, that's how it happened. You press the button, and the board magically levitated to your feet. Did this a couple other days. Finally, my brother was sick and tired of hearing the noise, and he was like, no, you idiot. Look it up on YouTube how to do it the right way. The right way. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. So what did I did? I, I went on YouTube at the time, and I looked up how to ollie on a skateboard, and within two hours after that, I was able to do that. How many times do we have in church where we say we're a Christian, we say that we're following the Lord, but we're doing it our own way and we're not following his instructions? How many times do we have this point where we just stop because we're just like, ah, I can't do it. I've tried for hours. But we never do whatever it takes to get to what we need to to get to God. We never do whatever it takes. We're oh, fine being comfortable and sitting in our own skin, but we don't do whatever it takes to get to God. We do whatever it takes to please ourselves. So that's the title of my message is Whatever It Takes. And my first point that I want you to write down, and, and I talked about this a little bit already, is the right things. The right things. With an R, not a WR, like the right brothers, but the right things. Because you can be doing everything to follow the Lord that you think in your own mind is correct, but if you're not following the Bible and the will of God, you're doing the wrong things while you're trying to do the right things. And when you're doing the wrong things, when you're trying to have the board magically levitate to your feet, when you're trying to have this experience with God, but you're not putting in the work, you're not following on the right path, you're trying to expect magic. And our God is not a God of magic. Our God is a God of power and of hope and of joy. So we can be doing the wrong things while we are trying to do the right things. In this passage, we see a man who needs healing. Now, we don't know how long he's been paralyzed. There are three stories of the same exact story in the Bible. I like Luke's the best, but there's others out there as well in Matthew and in Mark that you can read as well to kind of get more information. But we don't know how long he's been paralyzed. We don't know if this was a freak accident. We don't know if... He's been this way his entire life. We don't know that. But what we do know, and this is one of the right things that he did, is that he decided that he needed to make a change to follow Jesus, to go after Jesus. Now, here's the thing. We don't know if that was his choice or if it was the friend's choice. 
So the second right thing is getting the people next to you that will pour into you. Getting the people next to you that will pour into you. What's that old saying? Um, Show me your friends and I'll show you who you are, right? Something like that. Thinking about that now, like, it probably sounds a lot better in different languages than it does in English. What is it it in Spanish? Yeah, see, that sounds a lot better than in English. (laughs) But show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. Show me who you are around and you can see the life or death that comes from that. Having the right people around you is so important because let me tell you something, we are not supposed to do this life alone. We are not supposed to go through trials and tribulations by ourselves. We are not supposed to go through hardship by ourselves. And I'm not talking about a relationship like a marriage or something like that. I'm talking about the friendship, the people that you have around you. That is what we need in this life. And luckily, this man had four friends that were willing to go with him to Jesus. And he didn't keep his physical ailment to himself. Here we go. Or he didn't keep what's holding you back from God by himself in the shadows. Because let me tell you something, when you are in the shadows, when you are hiding something from the world, when you are hiding from the people around you, there is no growth in the shadows. So when you are saying that I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to deal with what's happening in my life, I don't need to involve anybody else, that is pride. And let me tell you, pride comes before destruction, not the other way around. We don't see destruction before pride. We see pride before the destruction. And let me tell you something, church, and I'm sorry that I'm coming at you super quick today, but it is what it is. And in James chapter 4, he's talking about um, Proverbs. He's quoting from Proverbs. It says, God oppresses the pride, the proudful. The only time in the Bible that it talks about the Lord being against you is when you're prideful. So why are we living in the shadows with our own mistakes and our own failures? Why are we not coming together to a place with the people around you talking about what is happening and instead we are expecting growth, we're expecting this amazing, amazing thing to happen, but when God is against us, who is for us? When we are so prideful in our own selves and our own mistakes and our own hurt and that thing that you don't want anybody else to know, when we are so prideful in that, we are living in the shadow. We are going against God. But when we have community, when you bring it together, when you have that accountability, when you have the people that you can talk to, when you have the people that you can pour into, the pride no longer has the darkness, but it has the light. When you have the people around you, the light comes. Church, let me tell you, you might think, well, I don't have anybody around me. I'm, I'm by myself in this. I don't have anybody. Look around. 
Look around, look around. We are a church that goes together. We are a church that goes through the hard things together. Pastor didn't come up here and talk about his father-in-law or keep it to him silent. He prayed over it and he asked you guys to pray with him as well. Look around. There is people here. There is people here that you can share life with. And doing the right thing, yes, you are here. You are trying to go after Jesus. That is one of the right things. But the next right thing is finding the people around you that will also lead you to Jesus. Nobody's perfect in here. What did you say a couple weeks ago? We're, We're a hospital for the sinners. Nobody's perfect. I'm not. My students can tell you that. Right, Isaac? (laughs) I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Do I beat them in basketball every week? Yes. But that's not a mistake. (laughs) Which, quick sidebar, if you have not been to youth, we would love to have you Sundays at 5.30, every single night to 7.30. Um, Man, I I had to miss last week because I was sick, and it just killed me. I love, love, love being with your students. And let me tell you, your students are finding out that community matters. And your students are pouring into each other. Your students are talking to each other that haven't talked to each other before. Your students are becoming a cohesive group. They're doing life together. So y'all going to let your students show you up? I'm okay with being real tonight. Are all y'all going to let your students show you up? If your students here can build friendships with people that they haven't built friendships with before, if your students can walk up to somebody and start talking to them that they've never met before, but you're too scared to and you just go home, you're going to let teenagers show you up. That's my little side tangent. All right, let's go back to this. (laughs) The right things. They were together when they went after God. I don't know about you, but I've tried to do things on my own. I've tried to have this point where I'm so confident in who I am, and actually I've done this before, where I am so confident in God that I try to do stuff by myself. And let me tell you, that confidence quickly goes away. Quickly goes away. Because when we try to do things ourselves, like I said, it's a pride thing. It's a pride thing. When we don't try to involve others because we don't want to burden them, We're still being selfish. It's a pride thing. The third thing that they did right, which they pushed through, which is my second point, the push through. How many times when you have gone to Jesus for healing, when you have gone to God with something that you have needed and a roadblock appears in your way and you go, all right, that's it, cool, I prayed, that's it, God will take care of what he needs to I've done it. And I think self-consciously and subconsciously we do it as well. 
where we're just like, I've been praying for this for years, and it never has happened. I've been praying for my kids to come back to the Lord, but it's never happened, so I'm going to stop. Man, I was on fire for God, and then I had this accident, and now I no longer know if he's with me. The push-through. The time when you think that you have given it your all. In sports term, it's that time when you're running sprints field to field, and I hated this. Listen, I am not a runner. As you can tell, I do not run. It's okay to laugh at that. I do not run. In football, those 100-yard sprints, whoo! I remember like, hey, don't be last. You have to run an extra sprint. And me and like the six other slowest guys on the team would kind of just collectively be like, all right, if we go over at the same time, nobody has to run more sprints. Until he made all six of us run stints. And then that, that ended that. But the push through, the time when you think you have nothing left to give, the time when roadblocks come up, the time that you have to dig deep. And yes, we hear that in sports terms all the time. Did they dig deep enough? Did they have enough heart? Did they push through their obstacles? If we talk about it in sports all the time, why aren't we talking about it in our own selves? How many times is there a time when we just go, Lord, I just can't do it anymore? You are missing out on what the Lord has for you by not pushing through the obstacle set before you. Let me say that again. You are missing out on what the blessings the Lord has for you by not pushing through the obstacles before you. But once again, it's not by yourself. Those obstacles placed before you, that crowd at the door, that is an obstacle. An obstacle that a paralyzed man could not go by himself. And let's be real, some of us here are spiritually paralyzed. We're a hospital for the sinners. Nobody's perfect. When we're paralyzed by the spiritual fear, we think that we cannot go anywhere more. We think that we're just stuck in the same spot. We just think like, Lord, nothing's ever going to change. You're faithful, but I don't believe in faith in my situation. Ooh. And I don't want to see hands, but gut check. How many of you have felt that? Where you've just been like, Lord, you're faithful for so many other people. Lord, you do so many other things. Lord, I will pray for them, but I'm not going to pray for my situation. Whew. It's, a, it's, it's a sad reality, but it's true. But the push through comes together. We see it in verse 19. But finding no way to bring him in. Because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Who I love that word, into the midst before Jesus. Right dead smack in the middle before Jesus. Sometimes I would just love to be lower down from the ceiling, 
not like with the wires and everything like that that you see now at concerts where people are like hanging up and stuff like that. But man, just to be at, at Jesus' feet, to be put down into the midst of Jesus, to be able to be lowered into a place where all I see is this people surrounding and there I see Jesus. Ooh. But it didn't take one person to get there. It took four men ripping off the roof. Now, let me tell you, if you don't know, like, biblical roofs compared to our roofs now, it would not be fun in today's day and age if you had to rip off a roof to try to lower somebody down. I guess with power tools, it's kind of easy. But we, we can think of a couple things from this. One, it's tiled. So the person's house is rich. Two, there's the Pharisees, Sadducees. Right after this, we see Matthew being called, so we know the taxpayers are there too. It's a rich person's house, right? There's a lot of people there, obviously, because the crowd's still backed up. But when there's a crowd going after Jesus, and then they think like, oh, there's a blockade, we can't get in. What did they do? We don't know whose idea this was. And honestly, it kind of sounds like a dumb idea when you think about it. My friends and me have dumb ideas sometimes. But this is a dumb idea where you're just like, all right, we can't get in. Let's just go through the roof. You ever had those dumb ideas that's just like you laugh about it and then everybody kind of like looks around and you're like, oh, yeah, let's go through the roof. Let's, let's, yeah, th that is brilliant. We'll just take the tiles off, we can put them back on, and we can get our friend healed. Brilliant. And sometimes those dumb ideas that you have with the people around you turn out to be e either A, the most fun you've had in a very, very long time. Yeah. <laughs> or, let me give you an example of this. Me and my friends... I have a group of probably like 10 people that I rely on through everything. And one day we were just like, man, we don't want to go to the mega church here. They have 17,000 people. It is a wonderful church, but we were just like, let's just not go. Let's just drive to a random town, pull off the highway and go to a church. It sounded like a dumb idea. Like, why would we do that? For those of you that have not been in Springfield, Missouri, there is 45 Assemblies of God churches in the, in, in the size of a city as Natick and Framingham combined. There's 45 Assemblies of God churches. So why would we be like, let's just drive an hour and a half to some small church and the legit, the neighbors was a cornfield, that neighbor was a cornfield, that neighbor was a soy farm field, and then that neighbor was a cabbage field. And the church was right in the middle of all of it. But man, that word spoke to every single one of us. It was a dumb idea. Let's just waste gas, let's just drive, let's just go somewhere. But it turned out to be something that poured into us every single time. And it's something that we still talk about too where we talk about, hey, remember that dumb time when we decided to just drive a random hour and a half to a small church? Yeah, it was great. 
sometimes those ideas that you have together, I think there's a theme inside of my theme here, together. Together. The man who was paralyzed didn't do it by himself because he couldn't. He had to rely on the people around him. The push through happened because he relied on the people around him. Let me tell you, church, if you are expecting a push through through the Lord, if you are expecting a wall to break that has been holding you up from the Lord for a long time, but you are doing it alone, it's going to take a lot more hits than if you do it together. If you are praying for something, but you are keeping it for yourself, and you are not having the people sitting next to you, not the people in your group, not the people around you praying with you, where's the push through? Where's the breakthrough? If you're expecting a miracle from God, and yes, he can do stuff whenever he wants to, but if you are expecting a miracle from God and you are doing it by yourself, it's going to take four times longer. The more people that you have with you praying, the more people that you have with you fellowshipping, the more people that you have a shoulder that you can cry on that goes after Jesus together, the push-through happens. Together. Together. And here's the thing, too. When you think about it, this mat is this person's life. Back in in this time frame, they didn't have beds like we have now. They didn't have sertas. They didn't have sleepers. I love my bed. Let me tell you something. If you know me, I love naps and I love iced coffee in that order. And I have talked about iced coffee a lot up here. So you can just see how much I love naps. I love my bed. Love my bed. Love my bed. Now, if you took that away and just gave me a little, like, bamboo-type mat that I had to roll up every single day, it'd be, it'd be a little bit of annoying. I could get used to it, but it would be annoying. But that's what this person had, their mat. And, it, and in this time and age in the world, what they would do is when they would get up, they would roll their mat, and they would put it to the side. And then they would use the room for everything else. But when you're paralyzed, you can't roll up your mat. When you're paralyzed, you rely on the thing that keeps you grounded. But the push-through happened. The push-through happened. David, can you go back to verse 19? They went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst of Jesus. Not by himself. And if you think about it too, if if it was odd where like there was only like two people on one side and one person on the other side, like you're going to go like this. But they knew their plan was going to work. They had faith that their plan was going to work together. And they brought somebody who was broken into the midst of Jesus. 
Listen, church, there's times when we play different roles in our walk with the Lord. There are some times when we are the paralyzed and we need the help, but there's some times when we are the people letting him down, finding a way to Jesus no matter what, whatever it takes. We need to be both people in this story. The ones that come around each other when we're in sickness and in health, when we have financial problems, when we don't know what's going on. Sorry, I apologize. Or when we are that person who is spiritually paralyzed, we need to be reaching out to the people who can help us bring down. The people who can help us get to the midst of Jesus, into the center of Jesus. There's multiple roles to be played here. So I don't want you to be like, oh, Pastor Eddie, I'm not in any state right now where I'm, I'm not paralyzed or anything like that. I have a good accountability. I have the people around me. Well, that's great. Then you need to be pouring into them even more because there are, there's a probability that somebody in your friend group, somebody in your family is going through something that they're not talking anything about. Why? Because we're prideful. We're sinful nature. So on the flip side, sometimes we need to be the friends where we can just help that person get closer to Jesus. But once again, together. Together. I hope you guys hear that word in your sleep, together. We are a church together, a life we're celebrating for all. That means all of us together, all of us out there together. We share life together. Because just picture it, just think. A paralyzed man just climbs up to the roof by himself, somehow gets all the tiles down. What's next? See, because you can be doing the right things You can be doing the right steps, but it gets to a point when the push-through has to happen, you need people around you. You can be climbing, you can remove the tiles yourself, you can be looking to Jesus, you can know, but he would have just fell without the people around him to bring him safely in the midst of Jesus did the right things to get to the push-through, but the push-through can't happen without the people around you. The third point that I have for you today is the outcome. So we have the right things, we have the push-through, and we have the outcome. And once again, I'm really thinking that this sounds like the next Rocky movie, I promise you it's not, but the right things, the push-through, and then the outcome. Let's pick up in verse 20, David. And when he saw their faith, it didn't say the man's faith. It didn't say the men's faith that were lowering him down. It said there, the overarching group of people. When he saw their faith. Think about that. He didn't single one person out. He said, because of their faith, friends, I got to stop hitting the pack. I apologize. (laughs) Friends, we just talked about this. We just sang about this. Your sins are forgiven. 
because of their faith. Whew. Why do we think that it's all on ourselves? Why do we think when we have sins, even when we're a Christian, we can't bring it to the Lord? Why do we think that we can do everything by ourselves when the Lord here says, because of their faith, their faith, collectively as a group, their faith, your sins are forgiven. Whew. Because of their faith. Verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk? Now for God, it's the same, but there's a lesson here. What's easier to say? As, as a human talking to another human, what's easier to say? I have a broken leg. Oh, it's going to be healed right now. Or, hey, let's walk through this together. Because their faith, the group believed and prayed. And like I said, the push through happened because multiple people at the multiple same time were trying to reach Jesus because they heard of the healing and miracles that he could do. So they came together. Together. Once again, you're going you're, you're, you're gonna to hear that word in the next couple days because we're going into the Thanksgiving season and being like, oh, Pastor Eddie's message. I hope, I hope it's six. Verse 24, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he turned and he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them. He picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. Amen. Worship team, you can come up. There's huge things that happen here. And like I said, you can have 15, 20 sermons off of this one passage. I love this passage. Every single time I read this, I get something new. Me and Uncle Kim have talked about this before. This passage just brings something new every single time we go into it. But he said to the man who was paralyzed. First he said, because of their faith, your sins are healed. And now he turned directly to the person who was paralyzed. Whether that is physical or whether that is spiritual today, he then directly turned to that person and said, get up and walk. The mat that you have been relying on, the mat that you have been on for so long is of the past. The thing that you have been relying on that has kept you spiritual paralyzed, when you give it to the Lord and he says, get up and walk, it stays there. See, what happens is that together people went after God. Together people pushed through. And then the miracle happened for the individual. And then that person was changed for the rest of his life. Because he had that encounter with the Lord. 
He was completely changed. Thank you, Lord. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And then we see he has the authority to do miraculous wonders on this earth. But there's an order there. Sometimes we want the healing, but we don't have the push through that brings us stronger, bring us to Christ. Sometimes we want this financial situation to be resolved, but we're not doing the right things with our money, or we think we are doing the right things with our money, but they turn out to be the wrong things. There is order in this life. The days of the earth were created in order. And if God puts thought into something like that, then there must be thought in our life about order. Now, I don't want to say that order becomes tradition because I don't really like that. But when you read in the word, when, when you have something that's going on, you see the order of the events. He brought his friends with him. When he faced the blockade where he couldn't reach Jesus, they found a way to get to Jesus. And because of their faith, their, man, it's crazy how sometimes the word of God can just speak one word to you that you have read a thousand times and it completely changes the way you think about that verse from then on out. Their faith, collectively, as one, their faith. But they did whatever it takes. His sins were forgiven and he was healed. And then what did he do after he was healed? He glorified God. He took up his mat. He walked. He walked from the things that were keeping him in his life. He walked away from the things that he relied on for so long, his mat. And he glorified God. Church, can we stand today? We have a God who can forgive all sins. There is tons of us running after him. But there are so many of us that run after him and then stop when the first bad thing happens or stop when the first blockade happens or stop when that one thing that they wanted didn't happen. We just stop. Instead of pushing through to the Lord. Jesus and If you have never met a Jesus, or if you want to know more about this person who can forgive sins and heal. 
If you want to know more about the person that can bring life together. Because let me tell you, when you are paralyzed, there's no fun in that. But when you are glorifying God, that's when the joy comes. So if you have never accepted Jesus in your heart, if you are wondering, Lord, or if you're sitting here like, what is going on? I feel something different about being here, though. I want to know about Jesus. Then just lift up your hand real quick. Lord, we thank you. If you have not, if you feel embarrassed to raise up your hand or anything like that, meet us at the Welcome Center after. We would love to talk to you. We would love to pray for you. We would love to tell you more about Jesus. So don't feel the need that you have to be embarrassed. But your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life. What we're going to do is different than, honestly, I've seen in probably every other church I've ever been to. And if you know my story, you know that's a lot. If you have something in your life that is crippling you personally, spiritually, physically, I want you to come up. I'm going to pray, and then after we pray, I want you to come up. But here's the thing. I do not want you to come up here alone. I want you to look to the person next to you and say, hey, please come with me. I don't care if you've never known them before. I don't care if you think that, you know, they're a little bit weird or something like that because you saw how they were worshiping. I want you to grab them and say, come on, I need prayer. You're with it, me together. And as a church, yes, our prayer partners are going to come forward and pray over them as well. But as a church, together we are going to be praying for them. So that's this time as an altar call. I want you, yes, if you have to go, that's perfectly fine. But if you want to be in the spirit of God here, I want you to be praying for the people that come up. That means you can do it from your seats. That means you can do it in your own heavenly language. But I want you to be doing that. And then if you are sitting in your seat and you just go, I feel that tugging on my heart. I can't deal with it. These altars will be open. But I want you to grab somebody with you. For we do not do this alone. For we do not have the sin in our life alone. For we do not go through those miracles alone. For we do not have the things that we don't want to tell anybody else alone that we need to be redeemed from. Because when we are, we're in the shadows and there's no growth. And let me tell you, church, we cannot grow when we are in the shadows. And that does not mean me or pastor or anybody else. That means as a congregation, we cannot grow towards the Lord. We cannot grow numerically. We cannot be saving the lost if we are in the shadows. And we are in the shadows when we're prideful. So after I pray, I'm going to say amen. I'm going to say the altars are open. I want you to bring somebody with you. Lord, we thank you. 
We thank you for being a God who forgives and a God who saves and a God who can do miraculous things and a God who brings glory and a God who brings joy and a God who brings peace underneath the circumstances that we don't know. Lord, I just pray for the spiritual paralyzation. I pray for the physical ailments. Lord, I pray that your touch would be upon this congregation today. Lord, I pray that we would leave you in glorifying you that the joy would be so contagious that as we go out into the world, our co-workers are wondering what happened. You look happy today. What happened? You are walking normally because we believe in a God who serves and we believe in a God who can do all things and we believe in a God who can do miracles. So Lord, we thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. And Lord, I just pray that there would be joy that would be released from the paralyzation whether it be spiritual or physical, that there would be joy that we don't have to be laying on our mats anymore, that we don't have to be laying on the things of the past anymore, but that you bring us new life, that you bring us new joy, that you bring us new grace, all because we bring it to you. So Lord, we thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. In your name we pray, amen.